This episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast, is brought to you in partnership with Thermo Fisher Scientific. Thermo Fisher's cell therapy processing instruments are designed to help customers transition from process development to commercial manufacturing, utilized as standalone devices or integrated as part of a closed modular process. Thermo Fisher Scientific recommends Gibco CTS DynaSelect Magnetic Separation System, which is a next-gen cell isolation and activation instrument. Gibco CTS Xenon Electroporation System allows customers full control to optimize for a variety of cell types and payloads. And Gibco CTS Rotea Counterflow Centrifugation System is a closed cell processing system supporting a broad range of protocols for cell separation, washing, and concentration. Customers can rely on and streamline their drug development process with Applied Biosystems Qualtrac qPCR and dPCR quality control tools for robust and reliable genetic analysis across various phases of drug development, supported by relevant, compliant documentation. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Harris, and we're recording this episode from ARMS 2023 meeting on the Mesa. And my guest for this episode is Greg Kunst, president, CEO, and board member at Orion Biotech. Greg, thank you so much for being here and for your time. I really appreciate having you. Thanks, Aaron, for inviting me. We're really happy to be here. Good, good. Okay. Um, and I'm happy to be here in person. Thank you for your time. Uh, talk to us a little bit about Orion Biotech. What are you guys up to? Sure. So you know, we're a company that started about two years ago. And what we're, we're doing is we're developing a donor-derived allogenetic cell therapy for cornea endothelial disease. And so it, why that's important is you know, historically, I think of most cell therapies targeting things like oncology targets. We don't have a lot of ophthalmology targets, but um, you know, we're a company that's, that's focusing on cell therapy and, and ophthalmology targets. Our, our first target was something that we took out of uh, Kyoto Prefecture University in Kyoto, Japan. Uh, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit later, but it's it's a it's a technology that uh, it's been in over 130 eyes, uh, and some of the patients have been out 10 years now. So we, we got a technology that we 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 believe has clinical validation. But more importantly, I think, and it's one of the big topics I think here at the meeting this week is, you know, this is an allogeneic product that can massively scale, and so. We're trying to get to a place where we're making thousands of doses in an area of medicine. Today, we rely on corneal transplant tissue, which is limited to come by, come uh, come um, and use. And so, I think you know this is a, a very interesting target. It's you know in fa- we're entering phase two as we as we speak, uh, and uh, you know we, we continue to progress. Yeah, yeah, sure. And I think you're right. Scalability is certainly one of the most important factors. And it's great to hear that that's certainly an option for, it sounds like. Well, it, it, it's an option, but more importantly, it's what we're trying to address. I mean, yeah. So there's 32 million eyes in the, in the U.S., Europe, and Japan that are prevalent for corneal endothelial disease and about a million per year that are incident. The challenge is we, the, the corneal specialists only do about 75,000 corneal transplants per year. Okay. And so you know, that's the problem we're trying to solve. And it's really three issues. I mean, the first issue is, you know, obviously the availability of, of donors is, is limited, right? I mean, so every, every transplant one wants to do, you need a, you need a, a, a deceased donor uh, to do that. And so that, that inherently limits the scale of, of procedures like that. Secondarily, corneal transplants are done by a very select few uh, ophthalmologists around the world. So here in the United States... Uh, we have about 1,200 corneal fellows uh, that have been trained, but only about 300 regularly do corneal transplant. Oh, wow. Conversely, I mean, the most performed medical procedure is actually in ophthalmology is cataract surgery. Cataract surgery, there's 8,000 
surgeons in the U.S. that do cataract surgery. And so this is a procedure that could be done by, you know, any one of the cataracts, a corneal specialist or a cataract specialist. So we scale also in terms of the number of, a number of potential treaters. But lastly, this is, this is a, a straightforward injection of cells. It's, it's a procedure that is minimally invasive. It doesn't have all the issues associated with uh, corneal transplant. I mean, corneal transplant is a form of organ transplantation. So you can imagine, you know, this, the, the sequelae that comes out of that, you know, can be significant. So I think we, we believe we have something that certainly here in, in the U.S. and Europe solves a big problem. But I think even more so is look at the developing world. I mean, you know, the, the, everything I just laid out is even worse in the developing world. There is no tissue in the developing world. Mm-hmm. There are very few people that do corneal transplants. And this is a one-time treatment, so you don't you, you can bring these patients in very quickly, treat them, and then they're they're it's, they're solved, you know, for, for most likely for the rest of their lives. And so what part of the things we're spending a lot of time thinking about is how do we scale in a way that not only allows us to bring access to the developed world, but also how do we make this scale and affordable, you know, to bring around the world. So I think we're going to have one of the first cell therapies that truly is a mass market cell therapy and one that, that can get to to all the nooks and crannies of the world, which, you know, so far in cell therapy, we haven't had that yet. I mean, right. we we look at the CAR-Ts and they're amazing. The CAR-Ts are very limited to to European and uh, the US, US, Europe yeah. and Japan. I mean, and we, you know, we haven't had... Uh, we haven't had a cell therapy, or for that matter, gene therapy that one has been really hit in a mass market disease yet, or two, been able to be brought to all different parts of the world. And I think we're well on our way to do that. Good, good. Okay, that's wonderful. And thank you for all that detailed information. That's helpful for background. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your pipeline. So you, like you just said, you've already received regulatory approval from Japan's PMDA. Talk to us a little bit about your pipeline timeline. Sure. US. So uh, right now we're we're commencing our our phase one two study as as we speak. So you know we're hoping to start that in the next the next uh, you know, say month or so. Uh, our goal would be to be fully recruited and have uh, data late next year, late next year, early next year. From there, obviously, we pivot into our pivotal. So we're targeting a, a late 2027, early 2028 approval. So, I mean, it's still a little while to go, but it's, it's I mean, in the grand scheme of drug development, it's not that far. Right. Talk us through the cell therapy used to treat corneal endothelial disease. Yep. So what we do, so the corneal endothelium are, is a, is a cell type on the last layer of tissue on the cornea. And its role is pretty straightforward. Its role is to, you know, to regulate the amount of fluid that goes in and out of the cornea. And so, you know, you, you kind of want like a Goldilocks effect. You want enough fluid to keep the cornea hydrated, but not too much where, where it becomes edematous and then and you end up getting cell damage and vision loss. And so as we age or we face trauma or we go through trauma or disease, we naturally lose endothelial cells and endothelial cells don't naturally regenerate. And in certain people, those who have corneal endothelial disease lose enough of these cells where they lose that, that pumping function uh, of, of being able to regulate uh, the amount of fluid in, in the cornea. Um, Again, today, I mean, the, the, uh, most of these patients are told, hey, look, you have, you're going to have some glares and halos in your vision, and then you're going to start to have some difficulty in, in, in seeing early in the morning. You'll have some haze in your vision, and eventually you'll progress to the vision loss, even to blindness if left, left untreated. Usually when patients have some form of vision loss, at least in the United States, a corneal transplant would happen. But when we look at even places like Europe and Canada, uh, Canada, there's a two-year backlog for corneal transplant. Uh, there's just not enough eye banks and surgeons doing this. So, we, so you know, even severe disease is, is, is undertreated. But what, what we think we have is it's a treatment that not only addresses severe disease, but also addresses very early onset disease. And we've now done this in a number of patients, both in Japan and El Salvador. So we've treated 130 patients thus far, uh, broad uh, 
swath of different patient types. We've treated early patients who, you know, we in our field, we, we, we look at vision in terms of, uh, you know, lines and lines and letters on a chart. So, you know, 20 to 50 vision would be, you know, sort of you know, borderline poor vision, you know, where our, our goal is 2020. We've treated patients that are 2050 and brought them to 2020. We've treated patients that are 21,000, you know, that are like fully, I mean, hand motion blind yeah. that I see in 2020 today. Uh, and so, the, the versatility of what we're doing is remarkable, but more so, I, I've seen my whole career in ophthalmology. I've never seen a drug in ophthalmology have the kind of prolific response that we're seeing here. And so, you know, we know it works. Uh, obviously, you know, we have to go through the development process and, and we'll get to that, I'm sure. I mean, you know, the, we always think about CMC. We think about manufacturing. I mean, there, there are things that, you know, that, that you know, make development processes uh, protracted, but I think we 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 have a drug that works, and we're you know we're, we're feeling very positive on the basis of the Japan approval that we're, we'll see this around the world soon. Yeah, sure. And like you said, you know, 2027, 2028 is around the corner. So, you know, for sure, we'll we'll certainly get there. Um, given all that you're working on, what are you and your team hoping to learn from this year's meeting on the Mesa? <laughs> What's your goal? You know, what have you been? as you're networking, as you're going to sessions, what are you hoping to learn? What are the conversations you're having? You know, why are you, what are you learning while you're here? Great question. So I'm, I'm an ophthalmology guy. And so my background is I don't have a deep cell and gene therapy background like many people here. And so this is my first year at the conference and, and I'm like blown away by it. And I think what I'm walking away from is a little bit of comfort that the, some of the challenges that we face every day are the same challenges everyone else is facing. And usually we see those in the areas of, you know, they, they, have, they have kind of com- common themes of sorts. I mean, you see it in the areas around how to tech transfer into CDMO, how to how to run a trial through a CD, you know, how to get your CDMO in the right place. What, what do we think about comparability? How do we scale and how do we deal with scaling early enough in the regulatory plan that it doesn't either take more time or cost more money? And you know, the good news, the good news, bad is everyone's facing the same problem. So I, I kind of walk away from the conference a little bit relieved that our our, our challenges are, are not unique. Right. But I think more so, I think you know, we're in an area of medicine where we're kind of making it up as we go. Right. There, you know, there's there's you know, cell and gene therapy is new to you know to, to medicine. Uh, the regulators are still trying to figure out how to make this work. And you know, what I've walked away from the conference is it takes a certain you know genotype of person you know that that is not afraid, unabashedly not afraid of. You know, not having the handbook to tell them. You know, I mean, we're used to in small molecule antibodies. Here's the handbook, you, or you, you follow to develop that drug. Right. We don't have that in cell and gene therapy. Right. Yeah. And to your point, you know, that you know, a lot of the conversations here are about you know, oncology, autoimmune. You know, ophthalmology is probably not super loud here yet. No. Nope. So um, eventually, could, eventually, <laughs> yeah. and kudos to you for. You know, being here first time and having the same conversations. To your point, even the oncology autoimmune folks that are here, they're still, in the, you know, they're they're still fighting through the same battles that yeah. you are too. So that's that's good. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, the irony is, ophthalmology is actually an ideal target for cell therapy. I mean, we think about some of the challenges that we've seen with some of the other cell therapies. I mean, the eye is is an immunoprivileged part of the body, so we we don't see immunological responses like we do in systemic treatment. So that that like takes a big huge barrier off off the table from the very beginning but secondly we can actually access the eye i mean think of all the cell therapies that we have to get you have to get deep into, into the body into into mm-hmm. parts of the body that are not very accessible the eye is actually on a relative scale is highly accessible now the front of the eye is easier than the back of the eye i mean we, we, we've seen a number of gene therapies that do subretinal delivery and they, they failed because of uh separate some for, they failed because of issues of subretinal delivery the good news is you know, by and large the eye is 
a relatively straightforward delivery area. And then secondly, you know, the front of the eye is probably the most, is the easiest part of the eye to get to. So I think, you know, this is an area where we'll see more cell therapies. I mean, we, we know we're a pioneer in ophthalmology. I, I would be surprised if we're sitting here five years from now that we don't see 10 or 15 cell therapy companies here talking about what they're doing in ophthalmology. Yeah, I, I'm sure of it. And, you know, probably maybe next year at this time at the event, let's come back and revisit <laughs> what the past 12 months have, have done for Orion Biotech. Absolutely. And I think the last thing I'd say is, I mean, the, the beauty about about cell therapy is, you know, the, the, we're resolving cell death and now we're generating cells. There's lots of diseases in the eye that, that that's the primary cause of vision loss. And, you know, what, what people outside the industry don't always know about ophthalmology is when they survey patients every single year, they ask, I mean, there's a survey that's done by the NIH where they ask patients, what do they worry about the most? Is, and you think dying from cancer or HIV or, you know, all these horrible diseases, but actually every year it comes out, they're afraid of vision loss. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we have lots of room to address, you know, irrecoverable blindness and cell therapy. And so I think that the prospects of cell therapy, certainly according to the disease, but more so broadly in ophthalmology are, are tremendous going forward. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Gotcha. All right, listeners, that wraps up this episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast featuring Orion Biotech's Greg Kunst from ARMS 2023 meeting on the Mesa. So, Greg, thank you so much for your time Thanks and your insight. Me. This has been great. Be sure to visit CellandGene.com for more coverage of meeting on the Mesa, as well as the timely and valuable information in all your preferred formats on the Cell and Gene therapy space. And we will talk to you soon. 